Yeah, I mean, the main thing is, you know, is, is did the ball go where it was supposed to go? Um, and did, it, did the ball get out on time? And I think, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm getting the ball out of time and I'm getting the ball out to the right guy. Um, and so I just got to try to continue to get better um, and try to continue to. There's little things every week that I'm always trying to improve on um, and just trying to, you know, fix those things going into this week. And there's the man of the hour, Sam Howell. Everybody loves him. It's the DC Sports Subtle. I'm Rob Woodfork alongside George Wallace. We got within a point of our uh, game prediction last huh? week. Huh? Yeah. We're appreciant. And of course, Dave Preston, who graciously held a pity party for uh, Sully from Southie. Oh, Sully from Southie. After South- that loss in uh, New England, huh? Things haven't right? been. The last time things were this bad for Sully from Southie, it's when his girlfriend, Kathleen from Quincy, moved to Cambridge and started dating this dude named Carlton and changed her name to Kat. All right. I'm dizzy. Because of what it's your fault. you just said, yeah, I did. Your fault. I did do that. By I the way, since that. we were close in our score, we don't have a victory Wednesday. We don't have off like this week. <laughs> you were one point <laughs> off. You get a banner. Hang a banner, man. Oh man, did you realize that was the first win in New England since 1996? Yeah, yeah correct. I did. Well, after Gosh. I, yeah, yeah. First time I beat him in 20 years, though. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna start with the Commanders' midseason report. Can you believe we're already midway through the season, guys? Yeah, I got the special midseason report grid right here. The oh, charts. Oh, boy, yeah. He's got All the exciting. grid. Uh, we'll get to the Seattle game, whether the Sam Howell hype is deserved. And, of course, Dave Preston, our resident AP Top 25 voter, will delve into his week-long previews on the college basketball season on WTOP.com. Definitely check them out if you have not already. So we're halfway through the season. Uh, Washington is 4-5. and five. It has been a roller coaster ride that I didn't ask for. And so um, at this point, where do we think this team is? I mean, I had pretty lofty predictions by their standards anyway uh, before the season. I picked them to go 10-7. and I thought they would win the division for a bunch of reasons that – well, just go look at my NFL preview on WTOP.com to You had them at like eight and one right now, right? Well, no, I didn't have them eight and one. I yeah. had them I had them starting out well. I had them starting three and oh six and three. That didn't happen. Um I think, right? Yeah, yeah. But it hasn't played out that way. And the defense is worse than we thought it would be. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be worse than they are. I believe they're thirtieth or thereabouts. In defense, they trade away their two edge rushers. Uh, Sam Howell has been up and down. So add it all up. And for me, anyway, this team is underachieving. George Wallace, you're the beat reporter for the team. Where do you think they stand? What does that make it? What does that matter? Well, it just means that you have more weight. (laughs) I mean, your Uh, opinion does. They're four and five. They are what you are. You are what your record is. They are what they they are what we thought they were. Look, I think um, it's funny because – you could feel <clears throat> these guys are really this week it seems very very jovial locker room this week okay and they're happy they beat the patriots also but you know if <clears throat> the patriots of 2023 right. not so it's but the, the the scary thing is they jump off sides on a punt very easily lost that game right. taylor heineke comes in plays that game in atlanta they lose that game they're this close to being two and I mean, they barely beat Arizona. I mean, you look yeah. at their schedule. I mean, the four I wins that they have, they almost felt like accidents. Correct. One and possession they got blown, games. Right. And they got yeah, and the blown, Broncos. And yeah. they have two games where they got blown out. Yeah. They're closer to 0 and 9 than they are to 7 and yeah. 2, yeah. in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, you know, and I don't, and, and Ron Rivera is, this is the drum he's going to beat until the end of his days here, uh, at the end of the season, whatever. It's every 
press conference is all about developing a young quarterback. And it's just, he said it again yesterday and he keeps saying it. It's misdirection. It is it is misdirection. And that's what he's going to, you know, that's what he's already starting because that's going to be his drum that he beats at the end of the season when the coach, when the owners come and talk to you. It's going to be about developing the young quarterback. And okay, in year two, fine. Year one, two, fine. Mm-hmm. But you're in year four. Mm-hmm. Your defense is awful. You have weapons on offense, and yes, you've gotten in some sort of a rhythm the last two weeks, no doubt. Mm-hmm. He's been throwing over 300 yards. I think Eric Bieniemy's called a good game the last couple of weeks, and that's taken time. But you're four and five again in year four. Like I, you know, it's the same. It's Groundhog Day. This is a dish that t- that should taste much better than it actually is. The whole is not as good as the sum of its parts, and this team has a way of playing to the level of its opponent. Uh, against first place Philly, pair of one possession games. Wow, they were almost there. But against the last place teams, of which I think they played five this year so far, they could have easily lost to New England. They could have easily lost to Arizona and Denver. And I think in, in George is right, in year four, you shouldn't be having these games against those types of teams. You shouldn't be getting dump trucked by a Chicago team that was on its way to a legendarily bad season yeah. and still might be on their way to get there. <laughs> right. And they are Thursday night football. They're wearing the same cream turnip color orange that they did last year. Oh, the abysmal. ugliest uniforms on the planet, bar none, in my opinion, next to maybe the Seattle uh, fluorescent uh, yeah. mucus uh, yeah. green that they uh, yeah, trot out for bad. that. Just Mucus green. Well, yeah, exactly. Like you've got an infection. There's something right. seriously wrong with you. Right. Get meds kind of green for that Seahawks team. That game and the Giants game, exhibit A and exhibit B, that no matter how well this team does over their last eight games, those two outings really have to stand up and be, all right, yes, they've done this and that, and hey, yeah, they went 7-9-1, and one, and they did this, or they you know, won this game or that game, or they, they beat Dallas in a week where they were resting their starters, but we'll call that a win. You need to move on from this brain trust, from those two games, from how this roster has been put together, and move on to what's next, and I think that's what the ownership group is going to do. Yeah, I mean, I would have fired at least Jack Del Rio after the Bears' right. loss. At least it was a, you had a long week to uh, make whatever adjustments you need to to pivot off of him. And I could have made the case for firing Ron Rivera. I'm not hot for firing a coach right. in season, but we've seen enough, and he's proven throughout his career here, throughout his career in Carolina. You had that one 15-1 Super Bowl season, and if you take that off his ledger, he's a losing coach whose only notable accomplishment is winning multiple division titles with a losing record. So I've seen mm. enough. And, and and quite frankly, the rest of the season just feels just kind of pointless yeah. because yeah. we know he's done. Well, and fans even are- if they win every game from here on out, that's why I think fans are mixed because they want their team to win, but they know that if right. by chance they do start winning, then maybe the ownership group is going to have a change of heart and think that, well, maybe we can run this back again. That's why mm-hmm. I think the fans are mixed right now because they don't want – they want a complete change. And I think you're going to get that. I do. Yeah. I really – regardless of what happens, I think the only way there is a conversation about retaining the staff currently is if they win a playoff game. And I've said that before the season, like he needs to win a playoff, not just get there. He 
need to win a playoff game. That's to have a conversation yes. about it. Right. Yeah. I still wouldn't bring him back. Yeah. And I mean, even if he wins a Super Bowl, right. I would even say because he. Well, I think see- he would walk away at that point. Yeah. In many ways, well, that'd be a fun thing to worry about. In many ways, <laughs> it almost feels like the next eight games will resemble an extended preseason mm-hmm. because, yes, you know, you'd like to see as we cover this team. It's always more fun to cover a winner than it is a loser. We've covered some yeah. really oh, yeah. bad, yeah. and in all four sports. Uh, and of course, we're uh, and Major League Soccer as well, and uh, World Team Tennis too. We've covered some great teams. We've covered some really bad teams. It's a lot more to cover contenders than it is to cover pretenders. Right. And it, but still, I feel that the next eight weeks, it's a lot of it is going to be the ownership group looking and evaluating coaches, evaluating players from guy number one to guy number 53 on this roster, guys on the practice squad who get bumped up, and also for players to put what they can on tape because I know I would I would assume that a lot of the guys on this roster, especially dudes who have come from elsewhere, who know what it's like to go through a coaching change, yeah. know that you've got to put good play on tape. And if you can do that, so there there are guys. No one's going to be rolling over. There are going to be guys who are going to be motivated. And I think over the next eight weeks, we're gonna there there are going to be some weeks where they don't play well, but we can say, hey, wow, John Dotson looked good. Logan Thomas looked all right. You know, this, that, or the other thing. Or the the secondary, you know, didn't look like a, a soggy plate of nachos this week. So it's it's going to be a, a surreal final two months covering this team, following this team, because, yes, there's the micro. You want to make the playoffs. You want to cover a playoff team. But there's also the macro. You want to make sure that, you know, moving forward, the right moves are going to be made. You don't want to do anything to ruin what is coming next in terms of the next regime. Because if you look at this team, they've got, what, $90 dollars in cap space going in next year. They have all these draft picks. They've got a quarterback who's, at a minimum, intriguing, you know? Yep. So... This yeah. is one of the sexiest jobs in the NFL now. No, that we had that conversation yeah. in the press room the other. This is this is a good job. Yeah, this will be a good job for the next regime. How do we like the future Hall of Famer, Sam oh. Howell? <laughs> How do we like him? I mean, well, um, you know, he's he, he's he's only had ten games in reality, nine games because yeah. that game against Dallas last was season was a, a preseason, preseason affair. Yeah. Right. In effect. How do we like him? I know that it, you could, you know, look at the numbers, skew the numbers, and but in today's offensive world, you can. It, it's like inflation. You can print. You know, it's it, you know, you're you're printing money. So this is what I said about Sam Howell before the season. I thought he was going to have a good season. So when people say, you know, oh, he's the surprise of the team, I don't necessarily. It, it's not surprising me. I right. thought he was going to play well. I thought he was going to put up numbers, and I said I likened him to Kirk Cousins in that he's going to put up numbers and he's not necessarily going to be the reason you win games a lot of times. Uh, or, or at least not good enough to offset if your defense is bad, if you can't run, right. and all of that. So he's been, he's been good. I think he's doing a lot of good things. He's giving you a lot of hope that he can do things in the future. Now, I, I was looking at uh, – somebody was tweeting – Putting his numbers up against Mahomes. some some really good yeah uh, well not Mahomes I saw one that was they compared to somebody it was at DC Sports Buzz on Twitter he posted Howell's numbers uh, passing numbers alongside Josh Allen Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence in their uh, first ten starts that is okay. Allen okay mm. Howell's numbers crush Allen's 
and Lawrence's. They're very close to Burroughs. And Howell's 5-5 five and five one-loss record is actually better than e- and each of the other three. Mm-hmm. But his sack numbers are astronomical. Right. And, again, some of that is part the offensive line, but a lot of that is him. And I can't shake that Washington Post uh, column where they just broke down all the numbers and they were like, Sam Howell is, like, playing terribly. Now, in the two weeks since then, only four sacks combined in the two yeah. games. That's a little more normal. Uh, he's passing well, but again, the four games that they won, the teams are what, 10 and 25. So you just went through the easy part of your schedule. We're about to find out how good Sam Howell really is, because now you're going to face a bunch of first place teams, a bunch of Super Bowl contenders. And, you know, you got Dallas twice. You got the Dolphins, Niners, you you know, the 49ers who, you know, it's bloodlust anytime they play the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan holds yeah. a grudge of <laughs> anytime he set he sets oh, yeah. foot on FedEx Field, he's livid. So he's done well, but we're gonna find out how good he is now. I just don't understand why fan it's just Because they're hungry. Well, yeah, because but it's hungry. like it's either it's like it's either he's a franchise quarterback or he's not. Like, why don't we just let him have a season? Right. Why don't well, we just let him progress? Some of Robert is- Griffin the third in 2012, seven straight wins end of the year. You had a franchise quarterback. Look how quickly that changed. So I can't stand the talk about, oh, he's a franchise quarterback. Ron Rivera is going to stay, this and that. He's played 10 games. Let him continue to develop. I do think that if it keeps going in this direction and he and EB do get on some sort of a roll, then I would not like to see them broken up. So that that's a whole thing different. A lot's going to happen between now and January 8th. Okay, so stop. <laughs> with telling me that he's a franchise quarterback. Let's and give some credit where credit is due to be enemy, Sam, the yeah. offensive line yeah. for really, you know, turning the tide. You know, 40 sacks over seven games for the last two weeks. Granted, two weeks, small sample size, but compared to just the 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 constant pressure that he faced over the first seven games, that's encouraging. Uh, you know, sometimes you make some moves on the offensive line, sub some guys in, bring some out. It, it looks as though they've done the right thing from a play calling standpoint, from a from an offensive line uh, personnel standpoint, and from Sam recognizing that he's got to get the ball away quicker. Granted, I think he's always wanted recognized that he's got to do that, but now he's actually doing it. Nobody wants to get sacked. And, right. you know, but right. but now he's actually able to do so for the most part. Even the you know the one sack against Philly was at the end of the game yeah. where you you couldn't you, know, you almost want to write that one off from Agreed. an accounting standpoint. Granted, it was against a New England defense that's really not great. The Seattle team he's playing this week is okay, but you know not as good as the Legion of Boom teams that we saw a decade ago. Mm-hmm. So there will be an opportunity this week for him to shine on the road where he's actually won three games so far this year. And this is another thing. I mean, you you see him under siege with the sacks and all that, but he actually plays well against the Blitz. Right. He plays really well against the Blitz. And the last two games, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, I mean, he was very efficient through at least a couple of touchdowns against the Blitz. So, um, you know, the problem is <laughs> giving him an offensive line that's going to keep him upright and, and help make him right when he holds on to the ball now, a little bit. Now, it has been – the last two weeks have been different Yeah, with Larson and – yeah, uh, and Sadiq Charles out of there. So I mean, uh, Larson in, Har- Charles and Gates out. So that that has been different, and you can't deny. I mean, players say it. I mean, yeah, a lot of it's, you know, they're trying to be careful about how they, yeah, talk. You're not gonna throw your your boys under the bus. Yeah, sure. But you can tell it's definitely been more productive. 
And just imagine with at least one of the picks that uh, the commanders were able to get for uh, Sweat and uh, Chase Young, one of those going to an offensive lineman next year to help him stand up. Oh, yeah. right. One, one long, can dream, long unless, as, unless they long pick the, five uh, safeties. Yeah, I was going to say, as long as these clowns aren't in charge, yeah. <laughs> because they'll just take no. a couple more corners. Right. <laughs> um, Seattle, do we have them winning this game? or Because here's the thing. This is a very important game low-key. Because Seattle is a game and a half in front of them in the NFC standings. Uh, Seattle's actually tied for first place with the 49ers. Right. I think the 49ers have the uh, tiebreaker advantage as of today. So Seattle, a game and a half in front of them. Uh, the last wild card occupied currently by uh, Minnesota. Uh, and Washington is a game behind them. Basically, Washington has to win this game to even have a pipe dream chance of making the playoffs because if you look at Minnesota's next four games, like they're playing bottom feeders, they're playing. Mm. The, yeah. And how it, about them who started off over and yeah. they're going to the tank and with the, yeah. with the backup to the backup quarterback, right? Oh, I mean, I, the guy that they signed off yeah. the street. I mean, uh, Josh Dobbs is a great story. I mean, just he's on his what fifth team in this calendar year. Yeah. I do yeah. <laughs> uh, every Sunday uh, in the noon hour on Twitter or X, I tweet my picks for the day. Presto's picks presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Ooh. And last week made a killing. Because one, I took the uh, I, I went against the West Coast teams playing at one o'clock. Yeah. Because not only was it ten a.m. their body clock time, daylight saving time, clocks go back to standard oh, time. It was nine a.m. So right. you just yeah. But and I took Atlanta stealing money. Oh yeah, stealing. printing and stealing. I took Atlanta, <laughs> gave the three and a half. Their guy, you know, the the Viking starter gets hurt. I was like, okay, we've got a chance to get this done multiple times on that last drive, that fourth down where they all but wrapped him up. And I was counting my money before it even came to me. And then the touchdown pass, what it just, that is why you shouldn't gamble. That's right. Because you don't know what the heck is going to happen half the time. Don't know. Although you should. Actually, before we get to the Seattle game, MVP of the season so far, don't say Tressway. I was going to say he's the guy. (laughs) Um, they're four and five. It's nobody on the defensive side. <laughs> I'll, I would go, you know, it's not, if you want to break it down position by position, let's go for it. I would have to say you give it to your quarterback. Yeah. Sam Howell is your MVP. I, I Just because you're not a running back, you know, offensive line, not for sure. Sam has taken some hits. He's stood in there. He's bounced back. And I've said it numerous, numerous, is that right? Numerous times. Yeah. Something like that. He doesn't. The moment's not too big for him. He doesn't get phased at all. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what happens in the previous play, he bounces back. So I'm going to give it to Sam Howe. Terry McLaurin would obviously have been offensive MVP, but he hasn't really, you know, and part of that's Sam Howe's deal. But I'm going I'm going to give it to Sam Howe. Do you, do you going to fight me on it? I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm going to just say Terry McLaurin because he could win it every single yeah. year, <laughs> if you're being honest right. about it. Terry McLaurin, at least a couple of those touchdowns from Sam Howell, it was because he made an outstanding catch over somebody, through somebody. I mean, he's so good at making the contested catch. And you wouldn't think that about a guy who's his size. You usually attach that to the guys who are like A.J. Brown, who's just like a physical freak and huge. Uh, D.K. Metcalf, who they're going to see this week. So... For me, Terry McLaurin, I mean, just because of what he brings to the locker room, uh, he's, I mean, for what we do, he's a great right. quote. Uh, he's a great locker room guy. He, uh, he wears the C on his chest with honor. I'm going with Sam Howell 
just because you know he's this is this year is a referendum on on him, and he's been a decent quarterback. He leads the uh, league in attempts and completions. He's mm-hmm. you know taken a beating back there. He's led them on some game tying drives late in the fourth quarter. Some you know go ahead drives as well. Uh, I would say my surprise on the roster this year has been Jamison Crowder. Uh, okay. You know when they signed him, he's returned punts rather well. He's had some good double-digit yardage uh, punt returns, which they have not had in ages. Uh, He's also stepped into the passing game with the absence of Curtis Samuel. Uh, He's come in. He made four catches last week. I think he made seven a few weeks ago. And he's uh, Jameson Crowder's by far not the MVP of this team, but he's been the most pleasant surprise. He's a guy that you need to make, if you're a good NFL team, you you need to make two or three of these moves in the offseason, bringing guys in who contribute who you otherwise wouldn't think of. And I think that's an indictment on this team that, for the most part, their free agency moves have not been really productive over the years. Right. I would... Add to that, I didn't. I don't really have a biggest surprise because I mean, yeah. you could make the case that it's Sam Howell, but Pressway. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's never a surprise. Biggest letdown is Emmanuel Forbes. I think we all expected yeah. more from a first round pick. The way uh, Ron Rivera talked him up as a guy who can change the game. Uh, he had the most pick sixes in college football, and so um, that hasn't translated in the pros. He's slight of frame, and you kind of wonder if he's right. going to be able to adjust to the pro game. I know he's uh, improved over the last couple of weeks, but uh, my biggest letdown is Emmanuel Forbes. My biggest letdown is the defense as a whole. Again, <laughs> yeah, and as I mentioned one. earlier, the, you know, the whole is not as good as the sum of its parts. You, know, you look at all the talent. All of the first-round picks spent – on this defensive line, on the secondary, all of the moves that they've made, this, that, the other thing, all the money that they have, you know, in an offensive league to spend that much money on those assets, the the high draft assets on that crew, 30th in scoring, 28th in yards allowed, 27th against the pass, 20th against the run. You know, yeah, they've made some sacks here and there. And while there are those who say that, the sack is not as you know an accurate a stat as pressures and this that the other thing. When they've needed to make stops, they really have not for the most part, with the exception of the New England game where they were able to get an interception last uh, Sunday and where they were playing a team that is woefully inept yeah. on that side of the ball. They played the worst <laughs> two teams as far as scoring: the Giants and the Patriots. And the Giants put fourteen on on them in the first half. The Patriots outpaced their offensive output yep. against this team as well. Yeah, it kind of feels like a letdown that they didn't even shut them out. I mean, that's how bad New England has been offensively this season. I'll go another way to make an argument. I'm going to go with um, the offensive line, even though that they didn't address it like they should. Nick Gates was your one of your big signings in the offseason. Oh, yeah, that's a good one right there. And uh, Wiley hasn't been good either. He has not. You're right. So we'll give it to the two free agent signings on the uh, offensive line. Okay. Sounds Who's your good, biggest yeah. surprise? You wanna, said Jameson Crowder. Jameson, I was I, just going to say yeah, that. Yeah. I will say that. I think that has been their best signing to date. Yes. This off this season. Yeah. And it was in Including season. Including the offseason. I, I think yeah. that was very low key. Like, they just added him in season. Yeah. They added him to the practice squad. Next thing you know, he's returning punts. And uh, quite frankly, I he's mean, I hope they bring him back but, next year. And, and, and he, he's had touchdown on, on the punt. And also, he contributed on offense well, last week. Well, set up a touchdown. Yeah. He didn't and score. And for, those, for those of us who have followed this team over the years when he got signed it's like yeah well all right there might be something there yeah. and there actually was and look he was low key, like 
I, that's the third I time you've I, used low key. I didn't like that. I didn't like <laughs> that they let him go to begin in with. In the first place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was yeah. a guy that was playing well in the slot when he was a younger player here, and had some you know value in the return game. And to let him go, I mean, I guess I don't remember how much he signed for in free agency, either. but right. I mean, you could have found money for that, yeah. especially with what ended up happening ultimately with your thousand yard receivers that you had at the time with Jackson and uh, Garcon. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good surprise. I mean, yeah, I was just going to say that too, without you saying that, I mean, that was my thought. Um, I would have liked John Dotson to be in one of these categories. Yeah. And I think he's bounced back nicely the last couple of weeks. But here's right. the thing. I mean, receivers take but a while to develop. He so, does. I mean, I would expect him if, He's allowed to still to stay in this offense. Yeah. If he's allowed to, you know, grow with a quarterback, uh, be it Sam Howell or a draft pick, if you're putting him in a favorable position, I think year three could be a breakout kind of year where you know you're looking at you know seventy catches for a thousand yards or some something like that. I think that would be a good yeah next step for him. Uh, Seattle. Um, I've already outlined the importance of the game. I don't think they win. I think Seattle is a good team, and I think it's going to come down to the receivers. Uh, Seattle is very good at wide receiver. They're 3-4 deep at that position, and Washington is one of the worst teams of the league at um, defending wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So I think those receivers have themselves a game. I think Seattle wins 28-26. Um, you know, close. Sam Howell, you know, he's, right. he's on a hot streak and that, uh, Seattle defense is no great shakes, but I, I still don't trust Washington to win in a big spot. Yeah. I, I agree with you, especially Seattle, which is the real Seattle, the one that we saw last week against Baltimore get blown out or not. Well, look, Baltimore's doing that to people. I know. I mean, they did it to the Lions. Yeah. Like they're so I I would think Seattle bounces back this week too. I don't think how about how but but by the way, how perfect would it be for this team to go win in Seattle and then lose to Danny DeVito's nephew and <laughs> Tommy Jax. DeVito, yeah. Just to, yeah. Yeah. right. The, well the thing is with that That's is that very right? much what they would do. Yeah. Oh, and this is the, this is the team right that now. we know, or even better to tie. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It'd be <laughs> seven that's not seven on, on where they forget clear. to run a play at the end of uh, regulation and OT. Yeah, but I um, yeah. I don't think they win. I, I think they um, you know we'll see if they can continue some momentum on the offensive side. But I think Seattle's known for its big plays as well. I think you're going to see a couple of them. To your point on the defense, right. uh, I think Seattle puts up 28. And Washington, I'll give them three touchdowns. I'll stay with the three touchdown thing. I'll say 28-21. Seattle covers and wins. What's the I line? Like Six and a half? kind of quasi piggyback on my score. You guys. I didn't that's even hear second, your score. That's the second year in he a row. He wasn't even you listening said 28, to said 28-26. I said 28-21. 28-21 is not 28-26. But it's like a half piggyback. It's like one leg on the back, and then you're just kind of scooting along with the other leg. So if I say 26-21, you guys will be mad at me? Yeah. Now I, I want to see what the line. Yeah, the, the line is what twenty is six, six and, and a half. half. Well, this yeah. team, for whatever you know, even though they're four and five overall, this team has actually been pretty good on the road covering. Yeah. over you know this season. Yeah, with the exception, I think they uh, they didn't cover at uh, the Giants. But other than that, this has been a good road pick. I think they lose twenty five twenty to uh, Seattle. I think it's a combination of Seattle bouncing back from a very tough yeah. loss at Baltimore. And they're a much better team than the one that got smoked by 34. They're not great, but they're much better than that. And the question is, can the Commanders continue to play well? Even though they weren't, they didn't earn straight A's against New England, they still played well enough to win. Yeah. They played 
a very good game against Philadelphia. Can Ron Rivera coax a third straight quality outing out of this team? I don't think he can. I don't think they can. I think Sam Howell thrills. I think, uh, you know, uh, Jahan Dotson makes a great catch. Jamison Crowder contributes. I think maybe we get, you know, an interception or whatever uh, from somebody that we're like, ooh, the defense isn't, isn't that bad. But I, I think at the end of the day, uh, it's 25-20 uh, Seahawks win, and uh, the commanders come back trying to figure out what's next. And to your point about the uh, interceptions, are, that, that's the way Washington wins this game. Geno Smith has thrown six interceptions in the last four games. He has a passer rating under 80 in three of their last four, but those were against top-tier defenses, which I don't think any of us would categorize Washington right. as. But that's a great equalizer. If you go in there and you're plus three in the turnover ratio, that can turn the tide in your favor and maybe you eke one out. Seahawks also have a pretty good pass rush. 27 sacks, yeah. tied for seventh yeah, in the league. That's true. Uh, after facing... You know the you know the Giants and the Eagles and then uh, you know the Pats. I, I think perhaps the O line again. It, can they? It's you can play very well once. You can play very well twice. Is this a team that can play very well three times in a row? I don't think so. Yeah, that's tough. And remember, uh, Ron Rivera's had a four-game win streak in each of his first three seasons in Washington. It's starting to look like that's not going to happen this season. All right, off of football and everybody's favorite AP Top 25 voter, Dave Preston here, is going to discuss, uh, again, if you haven't read his week-long previews of the college basketball teams of local interest on WTOP.com, they are there. They are comprehensive. Uh, What do we expect to see from some of these area schools this year, Dave? I, for one, for uh, the Georgetown game, I don't remember them ever scoring 90 points under Patrick Ewing. <laughs> I think they went some weeks without scoring 90 points, and I've never heard of LeMoyne, but they certainly did what they were supposed to do. Let me pour some water on everything. Uh, LeMoyne, <laughs> is just tra- LeMoyne just transferred from Division Two, so it was yeah. their first division. They have yet to uh, post a Division One victory. Yeah. Uh, I think not just that, but also the excitement in the arena. I was at Capital One Arena uh, earlier this week for the opener. Over 9,000 fans on hand. Nice. And this is, this is a fan base that has really shrunk over the last couple of years. We talk about how the commander fa- uh, fan base at FedEx Field, you know, really eroded. I, I remember when uh, John Thompson, the third's last season, everybody was poo-pooing the fact that, oh, only 5,100 showed up for St. John's. They would have loved to have gotten 5,100 for a couple yeah. of the games the last couple of years where they lost uh, 37 of 39 Big East games, which is just, you know, uh, you, you just... Uncomprehend- it, yeah. If it didn't <laughs> exist, you would not believe it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Ed Cooley's brought in a lot of players from, uh, you know, transfer, which you can do now in today's day and age. So the, the team looks, they look like a lot of fun to watch. Uh, they moved offensively with the purpose and defensively. They were very connected. Again, this is against a LeMoyne team that is probably not going to finish in the top half of its lower-tier conference, but they went out and lost to Dartmouth a few years ago, a team that didn't even have a season the year before because of COVID. So there's uh, there's cause for confidence with this Georgetown team. They've got a lot of stocking stuffers in their non-conference slate, but and it'll be interesting to see if they can get into the middle third of the Big East. I think they're still... Seventh, eighth, that's their ceiling this year in Big East play. It's going to take a while for Ed Cooley to get that program underway. I'm curious to see uh, how uh, Maryland gels together. George was at their game earlier this week. 
at uh, um, at Xfinity Center. Uh, you've got a nice veteran base. Dante Scott, Jameer Young, Julian Reese, uh, combined with a, a lot of interesting freshmen who will see minutes this year. That is a program that should compete for a double bye in the Big in the Big Ten tournament. Um, which you know, if you're Maryland, you want to get to the second weekend of the NCAs. You want to get to Saturday in the Big Ten. I think this team has the potential to do that. You look at other teams. Notes, uh, uh, you know, some interesting schools out there. George Mason. First year under Tony Skin, American first mate. Yep, (laughs) American University. First year under Dwayne Simpkins. uh, Those programs have high ceilings. They might not reach them this year, but I'm looking forward to seeing how well those uh, programs grow. George Washington, I saw their opener the other night. Uh, Chris Caputo has brought in some talent. He's brought in some power six transfers who can play that will complement probably the best backcourt in the A-10 with James Bishop and uh, Maximus uh, Edwards. Talk about names we've got this year. Maximus Edwards and George George Washington, Supreme Supreme Cook. Talk about (laughs) not mediocre. The guy's name is Supreme. Supreme. Um, Uh, How are they embracing that new nickname at GW? The Revs. They call them the Revs, the Revolutionaries. It's the best thing, uh, and they told me the best thing about the new nickname is they don't have to answer Questions about what do you think the new nickname's going to be? Yeah. And they've gone on with the Revs, Revolutionaries. They've moved on with that. And I'm just glad they're not the Catalysts. It's, you know, and, or, or, or the and Blue also, Fog. It's basically the same thing right. as what they were doing before. That's True. like if Washington changed its old name to the Indians. Yeah. Like right. It's so they pretty kicked much it, the same thing. They've, they, they've kicked the can ahead 40 or 60 years. <laughs> uh, one story, uh, of the, the probably I think one of the coolest stories last winter was Howard making the NCAA tournament for the first time in 30 years. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Blakeney lost a bulk of his players to transfer to. And that's yeah. one of the pitfalls of this era where the portal, you don't have to sit out a year. Right. If you had to sit out a year, I'm sure a lot of those guys would have stuck around yeah. and helped continue to build this program. But you got to have confidence in what he's done with the Bison so far. I look for them to compete in the MEAC. And then, of course, you got Virginia and Virginia Tech. It's you know who knows with those schools. Yeah, you know, they're 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 they're, I, I, they're not high on the That's ACC fair. radar at this point in time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But again, it's it, it. What's great about covering hoops in, in this area is that there are so many different schools at so many levels, and everybody's got a different expectation going into it. But every each of these schools can compete, and I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these schools uh, somehow find their way to playing for a spot in the NCAA tournament. Is it a foregone conclusion that Maryland would be the bench uh, best of the bunch? Yes, yes, yeah. hands down. Hands yeah. down. They've got uh you know in an era where a lot of guys leave. Could they be I think ranked? They will be. Yeah, they were ranked yeah. for like 6 seconds right. last year. <laughs> they, are, they got the high, as high as 13 yeah. last year. I think they'll be ranked. They're uh, I think they're also receiving votes the the fifth team out so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And I think once you uh, the schedule really works against them. They have a tournament in Asheville after playing on Tuesday, so they could easily be better than they were last year, but lose a couple games in the early going and have not as good a record over the first month. Okay. All right. Uh, what are we looking forward to in uh, college football this Coll- week? Big weekend as we uh, do an audible at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Maryland, Virginia Tech, Navy all have big games on Saturday because each still has a chance to make a bowl. Maryland's at five wins. Virginia Tech's at four. Navy's at three. They almost need to win this Saturday to have a shot at bowl eligibility. Maryland has Michigan and then Rutgers. Rutgers is on the road uh, to wrap up. They're at Nebraska this Saturday. That is a very winnable game. 
The Cornhuskers are a team that has gotten better over the last five weeks while the Terrapins have just been continuing to shoot them in the foot. It's going to be a very, very difficult game for them on the road. I don't think they get it done, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Talia pull a rabbit out of his hat. Virginia Tech, they're at four wins. They play at Boston College. Winnable game. Uh, if they lose, I, I I don't think they make a bowl. Um, and it, it's going to be a tough uh, game up there at Chestnut Hill. Navy lost a very winnable game last Saturday against Temple. I think they have problems against UAB, even though it's at home. Uh, the Blazers uh, have the best offense in the AAC, and Navy can't win shootouts. So, it's it's a huge Saturday on tap, but yeah. I, I it's it, it, I can't it's not a super I'm confident in what can happen this Saturday. All right, and I just want to close out with this thought: the Raiders uh, made this house cleaning in the middle of the season. They fired the GM, they fired the coach, they benched the quarterback. I mean, they fired the offensive coordinator uh, all in the middle of the season. And uh, what they have now with Antonio Pierce, who we, of course, all know from when he was a linebacker here in Washington and parenthetically uh, one of the great misses in terms of just letting a guy walk and then he goes to a division rival and then helps – is a key catalyst for them winning two Super Bowls against the Patriots. He's like the Hillary Swank of this franchise. (laughs) Uh, She was on 90210 for half a season. They said, you know what? Your scenes with Ian Ziering and uh, Joey Tata really aren't working. We can't use you. She goes on to win two Oscars, much like Antonio Pierce. Yeah, so Antonio Pierce, look, if you haven't seen his press conferences, I mean, he's fiery. I love it. I wanted to run through a wall for the guy. And, um, you know, you could say the same for Mike Singletary, and that didn't end so well. But regardless of how it ends in Oakland, he's he's a Raider through and through. He grew up in that area. He grew up rooting for the team. Um, I would like to see him do well. And also what they have in place, the first time that they've had a black general manager, black uh, team president, a black head coach for the same franchise. So – and, and it's fitting right. that it's the Raiders because the Raiders have been at the forefront uh, for years under Al Davis of that. The uh, first black coach in the modern NFL was Art Shell once upon a time. Uh, they had some success there. His second tenure didn't go so well, but that was a good move. And uh, Al Davis was at the forefront of, um, you know, the Raiders being uh, very proactive in terms of, having uh, black athletes on the team and empowering black coaches uh, on his team uh, way back when, before anybody else was doing it. Them and the Steelers were at the forefront of that uh, back in the day. So it's great to see the Raiders uh, making history once again. Compared to seeing some of the hires that have been made over the years by other franchises that have been massive, you know, missteps, it's nice uh, nice to see things work out to start from there. And I think... Yeah, here here's a guy that you hope he does well. Yeah. You know, he was nothing but a pleasure to cover while he was here. Right. Again, as you mentioned, he was a guy, one of the ones that got away. Yeah. Um, you know, that is just as much of a reflection on the organization. Yeah. It's like you hate to say, "Wow, leaving Washington was the best thing that ever happened to him." <laughs> but that was the case. And, How many guys and, can we say that about? And you'd like you you'd like to see him do well because if he succeeds, then there will be more people like him getting opportunities. And I think that's important for this league. Absolutely it is. And uh, that's another edition of the D.C. Sports Huddle. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Rob Woodfork here for Dave Preston. George Wallace is already gone. We're going to break the huddle.